So once again, good evening everybody. I hope you're not tired of our faces. You're back the third time today. And we are with you, with your questions. We trust God. He will have the, uh, the full answer. Only God has the complete, total, satisfying answer. But with the wisdom and discernment which we believe He has given us, we will try to answer your questions to the best of our ability. And I hope it is a help to you, this question-answer Q&A sessions. <clears throat> so this evening, before we go to the questions, once again, I'll request Pastor Vijay, could you please lead us in prayer? And then we'll go to the first question. Amen, amen, amen. Are we ready? Your mic. Anyway, we prayed, and I hope you heard in your spirit. Hallelujah. Because all he said, if you didn't hear, was really good. <laughs> so don't have to worry. We pray, we pray kosher. Hallelujah. So, Pastor Vijay, let's go to the questions, and we shall go to one of the YouTube chat questions. Yeah, First, YouTube do you chat, want to? Yeah, yeah, YouTube chat room questions. I think it's from a young young person. Uncle, how do I know that I'm saved? Hmm. How do you know I am saved? That's a question. It's not difficult to answer mm-hmm. because first thing you need to see that you have followed scripture. If salvation is by faith and faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, see that what we would use the term that you are biblically born again. Yes. Biblically born again. That you heard, you felt the Holy Spirit convicting you, you repented, you turned your faith to God from everything else, you put your faith in Christ and His work alone, and then the Bible says you are born again. That's the scripture part of it. Then there is another part which the Spirit does. The Spirit starts working within you. Honestly, you start feeling inside a change of desires. You know, he starts, because that's a new man with new desires which are connected to the kingdom of God. And like uh, Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit enables you to call dad, God dad, your father, okay? And uh, at whatever level, even a baby knows how to say dada, mama. There's a change of desire. There's a hung, they say, hunger for the word, the word of God. Of God yes. Okay, that's the milk of the word initially. There is, uh, earlier you wanted to be accepted by the world. Now, probably the same desire which has not been sanctified is there, but you want to be accepted now by the family of believers. Amen. Okay, you want to be noticed by them. So there is this perceptible change that actually happens inside. It's a change of desire. Your thought life is changing. You desire for the word, you know, and you actually feel the pull of God so that you can be with the family of God and for worship, for word. All these things change because those things are connected with the new man. And uh, that's what you, I, I say, the internal proof. And the other side is that, of course, you believed, you repented, you believed, and you got baptized. 
and all that is connected with salvation. If you repent, you believe, and if you are and you are baptized, the Bible says you are saved. Amen. Then you need to walk in that road. Okay, I'm not a person who believes in one saved, yeah, always saved. That is exactly the question number 13. You can okay. ta- ta- tackle that as well, Pastor. Okay. You want to go to that question yeah, too? 13, 13. Question yeah, you'll 13. have to read it out. Yeah, it says, uh, uh, this is again from one of the online listeners. Mm. Uh, death comes from God or from Satan. Once saved, always saved. Can a believer lose his or her salvation? Okay, let me try to answer both the questions for, you know. Death comes from God or Satan. So let's answer death first. And let's, uh, can I have Deuteronomy 32, 29 and 39? Then uh, Job 1, 21 and 1 Samuel 2, 6. Just giving three verses. 39, not 29, 39. 32, 39. Now see that I, even I, am he and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. So the scripture there he says, he's the author of both life and death. It both comes from him. He can, and he has numbered everybody. He knows the end from the beginning. In God's sovereignty, he knows everything. Not even a, he says not even a sw- uh, sparrow falls to the ground. That is meaning even when they die, it's his appointed time. So God is in absolute total control of everything that is happening in the world. So life and death is from him. If you go to the next one I gave you, First Samuel 2.6, Hannah says, The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. Okay, even resurrection is in his hands. Life, death and resurrection all are in his hands. And you see Job's response in 121 when he lost all his children in a day. He said, naked I came from a mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was definitely not talking about his property. <laughs> He's talking about his children. Yes. Okay, so you see scripture is very, very clear that it is God who is the author of life, the author of death and the author of resurrection. Then when it comes to Satan, Satan holds people captive by the power of the fear of death. Okay, God said if you will eat, you will die. So he gets, and death is a spirit. Okay, and uh, God can let, like when it comes to death and Satan, they are his servants. They are his servants. But that doesn't mean uh, Satan has sovereignty over death. It does not have. Even if Satan takes the life of somebody, it's only because God allowed him to be the instrument. That's my perception. But other than that, he has no autonomy, he has no power, nor or anybody. It's God who decides. Okay? And God will also allow your own actions to lead you to that. But in all of that, what I'm saying, God is in control. He can add Years to your life, 15 years he had it to Ezekiel. He can shorten your life. Mm. He can do anything. Okay, so God is in absolute control when it comes to these things. It's not the devil. But devil can take lives. And, but then God allowed it because you allowed him, yourself to go into his hands in that way. Then when it comes to salvation, once saved, always saved. I want you to look at John 15 and verse 6 first. 
Just a few verses, not all verses, few verses. If anyone does not abide in me, that is continuing in your salvation, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into fire and they are burned. He made it very clear first, I am the vine and you are the branches. So we are, we have life only as long as we are joined to him. But if I choose, nobody can pluck me from God's hands. But I can choose to go out of his hands. Okay? And uh, he says he's cast out as a branch and he's withered. Okay? Now, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 11, where it is using an illustration from the Israel and the church, he uses again another illustration there, 11. And uh, he talks about how Israel was broken off and we were grafted in. Verse 17 onwards. If some of the branches were broken out and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Meaning once they believed, and then they went into unbelief. So it's a possible thing. You can move from belief to unbelief, from unbelief to belief. Okay, that's from we got saved, from unbelief to belief. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity towards your goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So there is something that is demanded from us, not only to be saved, to continue a walk in our salvation. Okay, Let me give you another one because this is a very, very important subject not to be toyed with. Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 to 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's our salvation. If, look at the note, note the word if, indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So there's a condition copped up there. You are presented all that. Only if you continue in the faith, you are grounded in the faith, steadfast in the faith, and not moved. And you remember that statement Paul makes when he's at the last stages of his life before. We don't know how long he lived after that, but he says, I kept the faith. Right. That's what he's talking about. I kept. I continued. I fought the good fight of faith and I kept the faith. So he says we have to continue in that faith. And First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. Yeah, that's what I kept the faith. He says I continued in that till the end. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. Having faith and a good conscience, with some having rejected. What did they reject? Faith and a good conscience. Concerning the faith, have suffered what? Shipwreck. Shipwreck. Mm. They suffered shipwreck concerning the faith. They lost their faith. They moved into unbelief 
and they continue like that or don't come back, they move into perdition. Hebrews chapter 3, 12 to 14. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. What does it cause you to do? In departing from the living God. It can cause you to depart from your living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we became partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. That's why we give you the illustration of how you light a fire in the old days. You gathered sticks, put them together, you lit a fire and it's blazing. And whenever it starts going down, you push them again together, they keep blazing. But on the other hand, if you take a stick or a log off, you see the flames start coming down. And then you have the red embers and little later it goes out. That's why church is always called to keep on. Why are we gathering twice a day? Because the reason we are doing it is for our churches. The reason is we know everybody is locked down and you leave them alone. And all the weak ones will go to Netflix. They don't have a discipline of sitting with the word and studying on their own. and They don't have it. These are things which you learn. So we have to always tend and care for the weak ones. Because the idle mind is the devil's workshop. And everybody is idle except those who are working from home, online jobs. Everybody is sitting at home. And you, if you don't have the discipline of listening to the word, studying the word and staying in the word, what will happen? You will automatically wander into something else. And everybody has internet. Power is there. So what will happen? You will just waste your time watching nonsense. And the problem is all that is also ideas. And all the ideas which are contrary to the word of God. And your conscience get gets dull. That's what the Bible was talking about. Yes. Your conscience gets dull. You watch a movie, movies for 50 days. And in every movie there is fornication and adultery and lying and cheating. Hundred thieves become great bank robbery. And how they build. All this starts getting in what happens your conscience. And it's all of violence and violence and violence and violence. What happens? Violence doesn't move any, us anymore. It doesn't move anymore. What happened? Because our, we exposed ourselves to so much junk. And our conscience should have been very sensitive to sin has become deadened. So in the process, what we are doing, we are giving you the word, giving you the choice. Like, listen to the word, keep your soul and your spirit keen. And uh, otherwise you will depart yourself. You have to keep your confidence steadfast to the end. And if you come to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know how much stuff is mentioned there about your faith? Mm -hmm. Because you are saved by faith. It says, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Because ultimately it's faith that saves you. And faith in Jesus Christ. And you have to grow in your faith and remain steadfast till the end. So the question, once saved, always saved? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you continue in it. No, if you drop off. I don't believe in one save. I, th- I believe that's one of the most destructive heresies that came in. That takes people, they walk with God, they life with God very casually. Mm. You imagine putting a child to um, admit a, all the kids to school and say, um, pass guarantee to everybody. Which fellow will study? 
Vishwalam will study. Tell him, everybody will get distinction. That's why communism collapsed in Russia. Because there was no incentive to work hard. The labor, the peasant and the doctor got the same salary. So why should you study 25 years for the same money? Everything, even in the kingdom of God, everything is incentives. If you overcome, you get this. If you overcome, you get this. If you overcome, you get this. And finally, to the, even the most benign, lukewarm church, if you overcame as I overcame, you will sit on my throne and rule with me as I am sitting in my father's throne. So there is an incentive given. There is, okay, there is given. And that is, that's the whole thing we need to understand. It, it's not like people talking about, you know. Which school will you allow, will, will they allow you to continue as long as you want, you can continue. It doesn't matter. Keep failing. We will. They'll chuck you out. They'll chuck you out. They'll say three years. Now go find another school. You're occupying space. That's why after three years, God also comes and says, are you really saved? Where's your fruit? Where's your life? The fruit is your life. Okay. We talk about fruit, but fruit is the proof of life, mm. the life of Christ. Where's your proof? Fruit. Where's your fruit? You haven't changed. You're still the same guy. The same, the angry, nasty, bitter, whatever you want to act. You're the same person. You haven't changed at all. Where is the proof? So God comes for the fruit. That's the fruit of the spirit. If the spirit has birthed you, the spirit also as it takes over, manifests. So once saved, always saved, is I don't believe in it. It's a heresy. But can you? Yes. If you continue in it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So in that light, we'll just look at question number 14. It looks, uh, I think, a little similar. Similar. Uh, how can I have a relationship with Jesus, hear his voice, and be his friend? Oh, that is from my little child, our little Sarah. Like John the Sarah has such such great theological questions, not an easy questions to answer. Little, Look at a little child. Like John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit, believed that Jesus was coming and brought so many people to Jesus. Like apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and brought 3,000 people to Jesus. I want to be like that. How can I be... I got, how can I have that kind of a relationship and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Mm. Yeah, about it. Huh. Yeah, it is a desire. You ask God, He does it. John the Baptist, of course, was a different case study altogether because his purpose was completely different. So he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit from this mother's womb because he was called the final prophet to declare the son. So he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was completely set apart for a very, very different purpose. That doesn't mean you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. I'm not saying that. I'm saying his purpose was incredible. And the vessel that carrying him was also an incredible vessel. Mm. Okay, so everything matters. You can have a vessel like uh, Samson's mother who is not named and she was given all instructions how she shouldn't drink and how she should keep the Nazarite vow and touch nothing, not even eat raisins. Absolutely. So because the son you're going to birth has a great purpose. But the son turned out to be crazy. The vessel followed the instructions. And here you have another mother called Hannah, who was given no instruction, no prophetic revelation, anything. She made said commitment, Lord, you give me a son. He shall be a Nazarite. And God gives her an incredible son. And she brings him up sanctified. And from the beginning till the end, he remained. So you cannot have any... Uh, like guarantees. The free will of man is involved, the free will of the mother is involved, the free will of the father is involved, all these things are involved. So John's case, you are a godly father and a godly mother. Then the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and brought 3,000. Okay, now one is being filled with the Holy Spirit, the other is connected to do with the work. So whatever your work you are called to, 
In their case, they were apostles, they were called to bring people into the kingdom. In somebody else's case, it could be something completely different because we do not judge any man's work by looking at productivity in a particular field alone because the field is decided by God. Paul plants, Apollos waters. Apollos job was not to plant. He was a teacher to the believers. He was not an evangelist. So scripture will say he was of great help to those who had believed. Yes. So he's a teacher. So if you look at Paul, Paul will have brought many to the Lord. Apollos, probably hardly anybody. But then you look at another one, he may have baptized plenty. And Paul will turn around and say, I hardly baptized anybody. Okay, so all these things are there. So my little sarakuti, it's a little big. But for the others too, you have to do what God has commanded or purposed in your life to do. And you will be judged by that. One, what he wants you to do. Second, what he gave to you. To somebody who was given one talent, he brought two. Somebody who was brought five, he brought ten. So God is not expecting ten from the one whom he gave one. So God is very, very fair about it. Very, very. So you don't have to worry. Somebody may be given a global ministry who brought one million in. Another may be a village pastor who was only asked to take care of ten. And if he brought ten and he took them all through, he also is a hundredfold minister. The other was asked to bring one million and he brought one lakh, hundred thousand. He is brought only ten percent and not hundred percent. So volume is not what matters. There is a judge. There is a judge. That is how it works. He is the only one who knows individually has given different. That's how it works. So you want to be like that. I would say you pray to God on your own little one, cry out to God, ask him every day and keep yourself with God. And as a child, obey your parents. That's very, very important to a child. Every child was used by God greatly, whether it was Isaac, Joseph, Samuel, David, yeah, all these ones, the key for them was they obeyed their parents when they were very, very small. So God, and even when their parents ignored them, it did not matter. God did not ignore them. He was watching them. So all the little ones were watching, obey and honor. Honor and obey your parents. So we'll, because it's a life-related question, question number seven. Seven. Because uh, we're discussing on this topic. Mm. We, we fail daily. We, to, we try to deny ourselves every day, pick up our cross and follow him daily. But we still fall down. We still fail him. We still get all crazy. Why is it that for an hour or two we are okay? Then we go back like a dog goes back to its vomit. I truly hate that and I hate displeasing God every day. I hate sin in my life. There are a few things which I want to explain in this case. One thing is, uh, please remember... Many of you who write these uh, questions, these kind of questions, uh, came to the Lord much later in life. And uh, many of you are not came, did not come from the Christian background. You could have come from a non-Christian background or a Catholic background. So your flesh was very strong by the time you heard the word and came. So it is, it is, it is easier to walk with the Lord when you come to the Lord early, before much junk has got into your brains, thought life, and your life, action life. It's easier to walk with God. The older you get, your flesh is very strong, your mind is all very strong with all kinds of ideas, so you struggle. 
So, but you, you, so therefore, if you want to have victory, you should be even more determined mm. to fight this battle. Even more determined to fight this battle. And yes, you will fall, but you should get up and you should continue. And you will realize as you continue, it gets better, meaning you win more and more. Then you should do practical stuff. Like you identify and the Holy Spirit will show you in the areas where you are following. You are falling. And you have to, like, you know, if you turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are two things. One is negative, one is positive. The simple illustration I used to always give it for donkey's ears in missions is this. In old days, when people were put in mental asylums, no, not today's kind of stuff, old days, when they thought a person was kind of okay to be released, what they would do is that they would open the tap in a bathroom and give them a broom and ask them to clean it out. If he had come to his senses, he would shut the tap and clean the floor. But if he hadn't come to the senses, he would keep on swabbing the bathroom. Okay, so they knew he hadn't come to his senses. And a lot of believers have not come to their senses. Mm. Because what do they do? They keep open the tap to the world and try to transform their mind with the word. And it does not work. Mm. You have to shut that tap off. That's what it says. Do not be conformed to this world. You have to shut it off. You have to shut it off. You have to close that window. And then you will realize it becomes easier. It becomes easier. There is a story in Malayalam and in all regional languages about the fellow who carries a rock up the hill and then he rolls it down. And then he comes back, picks it up and takes it up and rolls it down. But every evening he's very tired of his work, but nothing is happening. Okay, nothing is happening. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people are like that. No, God says shut it down. Shut it down. And you have to. And then the other proactive thing is that you have to fast. You have to fast. If you want a real change, you have to fast. And fight the fasting is, you know, practically fasting physically from food because it weakens your flesh. And fast yourself from those things in which you are falling. Both. You have to have food, fasting from food and also from those things. And you will realize it's an ask. Of course, you are doing your part. This thing that if a man cleanses himself, that is your side and the Lord will cleanse him. You always have to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, you have to help me through this. I'm not doing it on my strength. I'm doing it on in your strength. And that's how you do. And uh, don't give up in these things. If you give up, you are gone. You are gone. In this battle against sin, it is literally life and death. You cannot give up. You give up, you are done. You'll just go down, 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 down. You'll, you'll finally have to start believing this is not real. So don't give up. Keep fighting. And be dedicated. Like, if you ask me, do I know people who were delivered very fast? Yes. Lots of people. Yes. But the dedication also was like that. Like Saul of Tarsus. Like God encountered him and was radically showing his entire life was wrong. Mm. Everything. His entire basis of his life, the law itself was redundant. And scripture says, for three days he didn't eat and 
drink. He was fasting for three days. Nobody asked him mm. immediately. Third day got him. What if he didn't God inspect him on the third day? Fourth day, he would have continued. Mm. But God saw him and said, three days in is enough for this guy. Mm. This guy is ready. The guy is ready. He's absolutely, totally determined. His change is dear. Now all I have to do is start feeding him. This, he decided, I've cut the world off. And sometimes you need to take those kind of, those kind of situation, drastic measures, drastic measures. And to you, brethren from the Middle East, let me tell you what happened to some of, many of our brethren from the Middle East in the past years. Some of them, when they came to the Lord and they were, they were, uh, Shocked, understood the reality of Jesus Christ, and uh, they were all married, two, three wives, four wives. You know what they did? They stayed alone and took care of all four families. They said, Dad, we are separating ourselves because we know in the sight of the Lord this is wrong. Polygamy is wrong. But they are our wives and they are our children. So now we have a duty. We'll take care of them. But we are going to be celibate for the rest of our life. And they made a call. And this realized, God immediately called them into ministry. And they were the ones who became pastors and were martyred for their faith. They put it in the balance and realized Christ is worth more than anything else. And because their wives also were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they willingly and happily released their husbands. Released their husbands. So you need to realize all things are possible with God. And all things are possible with him or her who believes. Because I'm talking to to you about people who came from your kind of background. How they were dedicated to this. So you can. You can. Only thing you should be determined about it. Lord, I want you more than anything else. I want that life. Mm. If you heard today morning's message, that is the life. I die to self and Christ lives in us. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we'll look at question number one because it's one related to the life part thinking mm-hmm. while thinking about god's words suddenly some negative thoughts come in my mind like pride which is against god and i start asking negative questions to god so how can i overcome these negative thoughts this is a battle okay nobody it's a daily battle in your mind if you can deal it in your mind you are you are good you're successful before it becomes a word or an action you should cut it off this will happen Okay, this is this is a continuous battle. How do you do is like the Bible tells very clearly. Think on things that are above. Now it is it is like we can control all the we can control the muscles of our body in the same way we have to learn to control our mind also. And the more you exercise it, the more you will realize you are able to control your thought life. It's basically that, allowing the Spirit of God through you to control your thought life. Because you do it. When you do something which you like, it's because you are able to control it. If it is evil, it's not that you just jumped into it because you liked it. You controlled your mind and your thoughts and your will and your words and your action into it and you went. In the same way, you can change it to this side too. It's a constant exercise and it becomes easier. It's, it becomes easier. Then again, like you're talking about negative things, like I said, you have to stop feeding it. Also do a analysis on where is this negative stuff coming from? Why should I allow it to be fed into my ears? No. So if you guard your ears, you can successfully guard your tongue. Okay. 
if you can guard your ears and your eyes, this is from where your uh, where your information of anything comes from, your eyes and your ears. That's why scripture says Jesus will not judge by what he hears or by what he sees. He will not. He's very careful about what gets into his ears and how he sees and watches things. Yes. So the question number two says, no matter how we carefully choose our words, people twist it. I feel like, how do I talk with people? Because they will take your words and backbite. Really, it has created fear in my heart to talk with people and emptiness. How do I deal with this? One uh, Bible says, be slow to speak. See, a lot of stuff which we say, we have to be careful about whom we say. To whom we say. Like, uh, what we say in life is, in life, you can have only very few friends. Because to have friends, it takes a long time. Friendship is not talking. Friendship is trust. And trust is earned over time. Jesus had very few friends. He was friendly to everybody. Being friendly to somebody does not mean they are your friends. Being friendly is one thing and having friends is something. It's after three and a half years. And after Judas had left, he told the 11 months, okay, you are the guys who stayed till the end. Now I trust you. So I will call you my friends. The problem is people do not understand this distinction. They think somebody is their friend when you haven't earned their trust and they haven't earned your trust and then they say stuff and then you suddenly realize they are not so friendly. They are not so friendly. That's where we have to be very careful about what you say and whom you say it and then I feel, how do I pee? Because they take your words. It's, it's also, the fear of man is a snare. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of them, ultimately. Ultimately, if your heart is without guile, yes. and your words have been twisted, you shouldn't be upset about it. Because, you know, Jesus said lots of stuff. He had no guile in his heart, and he was not upset about anything. He said. Okay, so you have to check your heart, and then check your word, and... Fear in my heart to talk with people. Okay, so God is also teaching you who to talk to and who not to talk to. So like I said, you know, one of the things is that if only people talked less and prayed more, they would have a solution to most of life's problems. Bakwas band karo. That's how you say in Hindi. Okay, you can have, you can joke, you can have lighthearted conversations, all that is fine. But also get to know people. And then deal. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, Pastor, there's going to be a tough question, maybe. Which uh, one is that? to tackle it. Question number four. Four. Uh, we cannot seem to get over, <laughs> over, yeah. over regarding the Pope. The more we hear, the more painful it gets. Are emotions normal or is it the enemy planting these crazy wicked seeds in us? How do we get rid of this once and for all? One of the ways you get rid of it once and for all is pray for him. Because at the end of the day, he has an office, he's got a title, but he's also an ordinary man. And Jesus, remember, died for him too. So our job is to pray for these people. Okay, we don't agree with their policies, we don't agree with their ideas, we don't agree with any of the stuff, most of the stuff which they say and they do, that is one thing. And then there is that person behind that cassock. There is a simple old man. Mind is messed up. Life is messed up. Put this huge burden on his shoulder. Put over there. So he'll pray for him. And that's one of the yes. When you are 
angry, your anger is connected with what the popes have done and blinded millions and billions of people. But also people have chosen also to be blinded because the book was always there. Okay, the book was always there. If a child uh, refused to study and fail, he cannot blame the teacher. The text was always there. No, and a lot of people, the sad thing about, like I said, as a Catholic, when I grew up as a Catholic, all my life, till the day I got saved, till the day I got saved, I never read the Bible. Never read the Bible. Till the day I got saved, I never read the Bible. When I got saved from that little EU library, Evangelical Union Students Library, I asked and took a good news Bible. I took it to my room. That's when I started reading the Bible. Yet there was always a Bible in my house, the Bible which is there, the oldest Bible I have. Mm. Oldest in the sense of family possession. Is that Catholic Bible? I still have it there with me. But I never read it. So it's a choice we all made. We're not interested. We're not interested at all because when it came to the most important part of our life, what happens after death, we outsourced it. Even though we took life insurance, we just connected with the family getting something in this life after we die, we did not take insurance for ourselves eternally. We never bothered about it. I don't know why is it that we are also casual about this one thing that is a certainty called death. Mm. Why is that? That part we leave it to somebody's words. Why is that we don't? That's why I admire even people like Buddha. He was very serious about death. It upset him as a king. To the point he wanted to answer, get, find an answer to life and death. That's why he walked away from his palace, from his throne, when his family said, I want to find an answer to it. But he didn't, he didn't get an answer. <laughs> but the fact is, at least he looked for the, for the, looked for the answer. And why don't people think? You know something which, um, Martin Luther did? He nailed the thesis. How many thesis were? What did he do? Wittenberg. Wittenberg, mm-hmm. cathedral door. These were questions. He never gave them the answers. Yes. Just put 95 questions up there. Cause people to think. Cause people to think. And that's how the Reformation started. Reformation did not start from quest answers. Reformation started with people who were asked to think. Because for centuries, people were blindly following whatever was being told to them. And one priest thought. One priest thought. He went through Romans 1, 17 and 18. That made him miserable. Mm. And he realized this is not what God's word says. Mm-hmm. Every practice in the Bible, in the church, is contrary to the word. So he thought. And he didn't start preaching immediately to people. He just put those questions over there. And people started reading and started asking questions. Mm. And if you have questions, you get answers. Amen. You get answers. And people don't have answers to life is because they don't have, that's why question answer session. People have questions. Even a little child has a question because as a little child, six year old child, she hears in the Bible, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. I'm six years old. Why can't I be filled? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Okay, you hear, otherwise people just do their devote. That's what I said. The people do their devotions yes. devotedly with no questions. No questions. Every time you read your Bible, there should be something. It should talk back to you. It should talk back to you. And that's where you have to be serious about it. So, the Pope is just one line of Popes. They were good Popes. They were good Saints. Mm-hmm. Saints. All believers are called Saints. They were good Saints. Really credible ones. Augustine, Francis of 
Assisi and all. They had wonderful stuff. You listen to what they wrote and said. And Brother Lawrence, was he yes. Catholic? Yes, the yes. School of Obedience? Well, yeah. Brother Lawrence was. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not, not very sure. I'm thinking I about think another father that you were mentioning who hmm? came out of the Catholic Church. He was not a no, okay, no. Catholic. Okay, so there were lots of them. Lots of them. So it is okay. They searched hmm. and they found. If you think that there are no Catholics who are not saved, no, there are. They have believed. Exactly. Yeah. So there yeah. is, there is a movement there is within the, within the church. church. Only thing that separation part hasn't taken mm. place. The mm. sanctification part is not taking place because they are staying within the walls of a corrupted house. You want to come out and if you really, really grow and find purpose and all in your life, then you need to come out. Otherwise, it's very, very difficult. You stay there. And I feel very, I will tell you a real incident that happened many years ago. Mm. I was traveling from Guwahati. I don't know where I was going in the train. I was traveling from, I got into Guwahati and uh, I was, I was sitting like this. My berth was here, uh, side lower and, uh, opposite to me on the other side of the corner window. I had this window sit, corner sitter was a nun. And, uh, I was reading and I still re- remember I was reading Prison to Praise, Marilyn Carothers. I was reading. And when it stopped at NJP, New Jalpai it stops for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, engine change and all that. So the passengers all go out to, go out to re, I mean, to buy stuff and all. So I was sitting there and she was in an oldish nun. So she came to me and said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And she said, what do you do? I said, I'm a missionary. I'm serving God over here. She said, do you serve God? Said, then she asked me my background and I said, this is what I was doing and all. She said, how did you, how did you get into this ministry? I said, the Lord spoke to me. She looked at me and said, the Lord spoke to you. She said, I've been a nun for 30 or 35 years. I have never heard God speak. And I felt so sad in my spirit. Hmm. So sad. I mean, you are supposedly full-time serving mm. God and you have never heard God speak. So I just sat with her, shared my testimony. I said, no, there is a God who speaks. And he speaks to you in your spirit. He speaks to you primarily through the word. And she says, we don't read. We hardly read. We don't read. We just do what the church tells us to do. It's just religion. So that's the sad part. That is where. So, we don't get, we, we are angry with what is happening. We are not angry with people. We are not angry with people. So, one of the way to get rid of that anger, because then it can be very negative and affect you. So, what you do is that you constantly pray. Pray where God will give you a burden, like we have seen in all these years. God touches one person from the let us say, Muslim background. After that, he brings so many mm. to the Lord. He's got a burden. Fire. Fire. Mm. And we see God touches one Catholic brother or a Catholic sister or somebody. They have a burden. That's what you have to call for. See, anger is good if it is directed properly. Yes. Anger is a very powerful force. If it is used for unrighteousness, it will destroy you. If it's used for righteousness, so Jesus was very angry and he went in and he cleaned out the temple. He didn't beat up anybody. Yes. <laughs> he cleaned up the temple. Okay. And many of those reformist movements that have happened in, in, in this universe, in this world has because people were angry at slavery, 
angry at sin. Yes. Those kind of actions. Yes. And that caused God to use them. Otherwise, you just become a tool in the hands of the enemy. So that's how you deal. Pray for them and then ask God to, to guide your passions into the purpose for which you were saved. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So you want to take question five? I shall take the question. Pastor Vijay is a good teacher. I have a question for him. He talks about our heart. How we compromise in our walk with God and we always seek wealth and a comfortable life. Is that wrong to think about education for your kids? Is it wrong to want pleasure? Where do you draw the line of our walk with God? I'll just give preliminary thoughts and pastors will complete. <laughs> See, uh, he's putting with, uh, it on me. His answer also. Yes, Pastor Vijay, go ahead. So, uh, actually, um, one of the things that recently, a uh, few days back, um, I was preaching in the evening service, uh, which I was also discussing with all the brothers, uh, the fact that how ease kind of gives us a spiritual disposition where we don't want to hear God. I mean, it's not that you're not interested in God. It's that you're, 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 you're okay. You're like, okay, I, I, I'm, I don't want to hear so much. Just give me something which is, which will keep me comfortable and not demand so much from me. Now there's a kind of a spiritual disposition. What, what, when, uh, when ease comes into our life, um, it's it's true, and it's not. It's we have we have empirical data actually. If you look around, you will look at all all around. If you see the most successful people, the kind they are the only people who don't seem to have any kind of a hunger for God. Okay, it's uh, unless and until there was some kind of a crisis, tragedy, that, yeah, crisis that came into their lives. They they don't seem to be seeking God. I mean, you, you can see in your own families. People have successful lives, successful marriages, at least outwardly, successful children who are, who don't need anything. And when you look at, I mean, you, when you say that I'm, I'm on fire for God, I'm seeking God, they look at you and say, okay, everything is going well with you. Why do you want to do this? It's a kind of a spiritual disposition that you have, uh, towards God when everything is going well with you. Why do you need God? At that instant. And, and that was, that struck me too much. I mean, it was like, I just kept thinking about it. And it's so true, right? Everything goes well. Like, I, I can speak about my own um, advisor, who was my PhD advisor. He's one of the most successful people, you know, top roboticists in India. In my, my, my lab is at least the top three labs in our, in, our, in our country and one of the very, very famous labs in, in the world. And my professor is the one who handles the whole thing. And I used to have a discussion with him and he used to look at me and he says, Vijay, the universe is so huge and uh, earth is a small speck in that universe and we are such small tiny people. I don't know how this creator God is interested in, in small tiny puny creatures like us and I find it strange that you are so interested in this God. And it's interesting that when his wife was diagnosed with leukemia, the same person gives me a call and starts crying on the phone and he says, Vijay, can you please pray for my wife now? You see, when everything is going well with their lives, they don't even seem to be having any need for God. Now the, now the crisis is gone and he's back to <laughs> normal. Okay, she, she was diagnosed with uh, the early stages of leukemia and she's now very well and fine and good. But those days, you know, he used to beg with me and he says, can you come back to the lab at least for one semester? Can you just take the course and I'll be fine? This is, this is the kind of a spiritual disposition people have when you have ease in life. And you see 
even in uh, in 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 the in the history of Israel, it says in Deuteronomy chapter two, when Jeshurun grew fat, he started kicking. I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? So it's a choice that we need to make. And I remember another another very great man of God whom I really who mentored me in in, in my growing up years is. Uh, we discussed about him a lot. His name is uh, Art Katz. Uh, he was during these days when um, the gospel was, I mean, being a Christian in America was a very, it's a good thing, no? Uh, everybody was a Christian. It was a famous thing and a good thing to be a Christian in America. And it was like the prosperity gospel was just coming out and and this guy was being, because he was a Jewish guy who got converted into Christianity and he was being called everywhere, left, right and center, becoming famous over and over and over again. And they, was, they were calling him the Jewish uh, Billy Graham and stuff like that. And that at one point of time, he was, you know, very famous, Catherine Kuhlman shows and all these shows he was going, he was being invited to. And God told him, you're getting too famous and you're getting too comfortable with your life. And he asked him to take some remote place in northern Minnesota and start off a community and at the height of prosperity, choose a life of poverty so that I can speak to you. And during those times, I mean, we know, our brothers know, we, we have some of the most powerful teachings from that man. I mean, in the height of prosperity, there's a uh, there's a man who chooses deliberately because I think there's some kind of a spiritual connection that he has. It's, he's got that intuition in his heart and in his spirit saying that, you know what? Ease is going to kind of lessen my burden towards God and I have to make a choice to choose difficulty or rather this life of poverty so that, I mean, or rather depending upon God so that I can have uh, a spirit which is sensitive to hearing from God. And I, and I, feel, I see this pattern over and over again in the Bible. And therefore, one of the things that I am also constantly fighting in my life is ease. I don't want it. You know, this for, for 54 days has taught us so many things that you don't need to uh, sleep a lot and uh, you can, you can spend time and, and it doesn't kill you, <laughs> definitely. And it makes you more sensitive and, and things like that. So this is, this, and even David at the height of his, of his, of his career, he chooses to relax and that is exactly the time that the enemy strikes. So these are the things that we need to really, really uh, look at. Ease is a great, 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 um, what do you say? Enemy. Enemy of, uh, of, 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 uh, of, uh, walking this walk of faith. And we don't want to do that. So vacations, anything else. So what pleasure? Uh, is, is it wrong to want pleasure? Well, I'm still on this, in this journey. I'm not saying that I've attained this and I'm, this, this I know is attainable because the Bible says so. It says that at your right hand is pleasures forevermore. And we can have a taste of this even on this life. Meaning, See, there are three things which we talk about, right? God saved us from the penalty of sin. God saves us from the power of sin. And finally, God saves us from the, pl- uh, from the presence of sin. But, you know, in order to save us from the power of sin, what has to God actually has to save us from? There is pleasure in sin. It says in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about uh, Moses, he says, He chose the afflictions of Christ rather than the passing pleasures of sin. So in order to defeat sin, what you have to defeat is the pleasure that sin gives. And when this pleasure that sin gives, that means pleasures is something which is God has, God has given to all of us. Like C.S. Lewis says, you know, when there's, when there's something like hunger, there's something like food. And food doesn't satisfy us because we feel hungry again. So he says something which is very, very remarkable. He says when there's something which is not, satisfy, it's not satisfying us, that means we are not made for this world. We are made for something else as something which is greater than this. And these pleasures that God has given us are pointers that for that greater pleasure that God has 
has ordained for us and has kept for us. And so one of the things that you can ask God for is to is to replace the pleasure that sin gives you with the pleasure that God can give you. The pleasure that we can have in relationship with one another. The pleasure when we come together in discussing God and enjoying God together. Like what is the whole duty of man to know God and enjoy him forever was the, was the shorter catechism, right? Which says in those days they made that catechism. So I, I believe this is what with what uh, Christian Christianity offers. Am I there? No, I'm still on that journey. Yes, I do find sometimes movies more pleasurable or something else more pleasurable, but I know that I can replace those pleasures with the pleasures of God. And when I know that, when I've replaced that, I have replaced the pleasure of sin with, with something else and therefore the power of sin goes from my life. Okay, so these are the things that, you know, we, we are growing in. It's not that it will go off in a day. Is it wrong to have pleasure? No. No, definitely not. Depends upon Depend what, what kind of a pleasure that you're having. Oh, well, you can, you have, you have brothers over here. We have fun times together and I don't think we want, we want to replace that with anything else, right? So I'm sure, um, those things, uh, you, you can learn, you'll learn for sure when you're, when you're growing, uh, in the Lord. Um, in fact, that was like the turning point in my life, no? I'm, I'm like struggling with sin, struggling with sin, struggling with sin. How do I overcome this, Lord? And then, you know, when uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, He chose the, the, the reproach of Christ than the passing pleasures of sin. I said, that's it. Replace this pleasure. And it's like, um, I think Pastor, Pastor mentioned in one of his sermons long time back in one of his evening services, he says, it's the expulsive power of a competing affection expulsive power of a competing. Let me explain that to you. Now, for example, let's say you have um, children playing in the backyard. Okay? Small children playing in the backyard. They're playing and they're playing and they're playing and they're playing. Mommy says, come come back. It's time to eat food. They say, no, mama, we are not hungry. And they're playing and they're playing and they're playing and they're playing and they're playing. Mama says, no, it's time for you to come back. So, for a, okay, still holiday season. So, mama says, okay, let me just give, the, give them more time. And then after a while, she says, okay, come on, it's time for you to get, uh, have your food. I know you guys are hungry. They said, no, mama, please, can you give me a little more time to play? Said, no, mommy, mama says, nothing doing, come home. And they just, guys, come home. They wash their hands, they wash their feet, and they go to the table and they gobble up the whole food. <laughs> it's not that they were not hungry. It's the pleasure of play replaced the pleasure of having food. That's the expulsive power of the competing affection. Like, for example, those days when 1992, when the World Cup happened in Australia, we were all supposed to wake up sometimes in all hours in the morning, right? You guys are much ahead of us. So, to watch those cricket matches, I woke up at 2.30 when my mother, 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, my mother used to struggle to wake me up to study. And uh, to watch a cricket match, it was an expulsive power of a competing affection. It was a pleasure of watching a cricket match. And that's exactly what God also wants to do with us when we come to the Lord. And spiritual pleasures are even more fantastic. And it's something which God gives you. And you will receive them by faith. Okay. And even as you grow in the Lord, you will enjoy that. And you'll see that all the other pleasures will kind of wane out. The pleasure for the other things wane out. You'll see this all the time. That's what it says in even Mark's Gospel when it talks about the parable of the of the of the sower, he says, the cares of this world, the riches of this life, and the pleasures of this life choke the world. You see, the pleasures have have this uncanny ability to kind of thwart the work of God and the work of the word of God in our lives. And therefore, I believe that that uh, that's very dear to my heart. So I spoke so much, but so you can you can you can definitely. <laughs> the only thing I will add to it is first the last part where you draw a line in your walk with God. You don't. <laughs> Not at but all. But let me also put it across this. 
There'll be certain kind of people who will struggle with this. I usually divide humanity into two kinds. Those who find pleasure in work, those who find pleasure in relationships. If you find pleasure in relationships, then you will enjoy your walk with God. Mm. If you find pleasure in your work, then you will find a walk with God difficult. So you have to change your entire gamut of thinking. Mm. Because God did not call us to work. He called us first to walk with Him. A lot of people who struggle is because they find more fun in work than in their relationships. <laughs> and therefore what happens, they, I mean, you can't ask a workaholic to, f- to enjoy his walk with God because he doesn't enjoy a walk with anybody. <laughs> That's not the way he has tuned his mind all his life till he, before he met Christ. <laughs> so when he meets Christ, he immediately wants Christ. It's like Paul, what do you want me to do? <laughs> What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. God says, cool down, cool down, man. I know you. You are a workaholic. Cool down. Okay, I will tell you what to do. And after that, God separated him into the deserts of Arabia and said, son, you need to know me. And after that, all he wanted was to know him. And work was secondary. Though he is the one who worked the most. Works, yet, if you look at his uh, episodes, you don't see that. What father. you see, he says, incredible, this thing. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want. How did he change that man? Mm-hmm. From a workaholic to a man who was absolutely sold out on knowing God. So you have to look at it. Who am I? What kind of a person am I? So that's why we always have to put down our work and also in way. Because ultimately the entire thing lies on two commandments. Love God, love man. And we fail in this and we got an incredible track record about work, then we will find. Because pleasure should be in relationships. That's why You should go on vacations and all that things is fun. As long as a vacation is connected in spending time with relationships. Sometimes you don't like going on vacations because all people want to do is eat, 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 eat. (laughs) Like for me, sometimes I don't like vacations so much because people just want to go sightseeing to this museum, to this thing. I'm not interested. So usually what happens is I'll tell the family, why don't you go and come back? I'll sit at the hotel and I'll I'll do my work. Because I'm going to be bored anyway. Why do you want to drag me? And I will be like a sore thump in your this thing. You're dragging me along because there is literally no conversation or anything in the things which I like. It's not happening. It's all about uh, seeing stuff. Seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like when I grew up, family was fun. Was fun. Like I said, I was saying in the morning when he, or yesterday, whenever, when we woke up in the morning, it's the whole family who played badminton. <laughs> okay. Family ate together. Family played cards in the evening. Okay. The only thing you did by yourself was reading. Other than that, everything was a family thing. Okay. So it was that. And then what happens is suddenly you become a workaholic. What goes is that. Now, that's where the world profits from that. That's where they say work is worship. Work is not worship. That's why the first man of faith is Abel. Abel worshipped God, meaning he started a relationship with God by sacrifice. And the second person is Enoch. Nothing is written about Enoch. Think about it. 300 years he walked with God. Nothing is written. What did he do? Nobody knows. Why? God said, that's salvation all about. His entire pleasure in life was walking with me. Oh. 
Hallelujah. And that's it. And then the third person is Noah, who did a work for 120 years. But before he could do a work, it was written, he walked with God. So please understand, this is what life is about. If you find pleasure in work, then you'll become bored with God. You'll always go and ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Why is that I have no work? No, I'm bored. <laughs> no. Life is about... And don't... Because what happens is people who find their satisfaction work, draw a line with God in their walk. In walk. Like I still, I'm not mentioning his name because he's still alive. One of the very well-known pastors, Fennel, was in the ICU, lying on the hospital bed and he said, Lord, why is this? I served you, served you, served you, served you, served you so faithfully. Why am I here? He said, two reasons. One, you were so busy, you didn't have time for me. (laughs) (laughs) He says, so two things. Now you are in the bed, there's only one direction you can look, that is up. Second, this, what is this cubicle called? I see you. I see you. You see me. You look up. You need to understand, if I wanted work, I got billions of angels, angels. who will do a perfect job in a twinkling of a second. I don't need man. I don't need man. They are, they are very jealous of you, the fallen ones, angry, mad. It's because they realize, I love you more than I love them. Yep, yep, yep. And I created so that I could have a relationship with you. So don't forget what life is all about. You forget that and then it will. So if you are somebody who is interested in relationships, the devil will come and try to pervert relationships so that you find pleasure in relationships which are wrong. The devil knows. The devil knows anybody. If you know this is a guy who is a woman who is interested in a relationship, he will she, he will come and try to mess that up. This is a guy who is interested in work. He will give you lots of godly work. So you have to know yourself and then go to God and say, Lord, change me. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there is one qu- part of the question which says, is that wrong to think about education for our kids? No, no? but I will always say be very careful about education because uh, 25, I don't know, more than that, not 25, much, much before that when I was doing my research in the university, IFLO, English and Foreign Languages University, my supervisor wonderfully went to US to do his postdoc. He got a Fulbright and he left. I had no clue that he was going to be away for nine months. Hmm. So he gave me his office key and said, you sit there. <laughs> and I'm, when I come back, I'm planning an international conference. So all these profs from around the world will write, this is my email ID, you open it and you answer them. So I was his office boy. And you know what? The title of the conference was In Word Out. In word out, okay. In word, word out. out. What comes in is what comes uh-huh. out. That's the problem is education. Mm-hmm. You can't give children a secular education mm-hmm. and expect a godly spirit. Because what goes in is what comes out. Mm-hmm. So I am 100% for education. But mm-hmm. it has to be Christ-centric. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you will rue. Because what goes in is what comes out. Yes, we should invest in our kids' education, but learn, be wise, guard their minds, 
see that they have a strong walk with the first 15 years. I said till class 10, like Daniel and all of the first 10, 15 years of their life, you have grounded them in a Christ-based education of the world. All subjects, science, languages, everything. Release them to the world. They know how to tackle ideas. Amen. They would have tackle ideas. Like if I hadn't come to the Lord and then read all this stuff and then go gone to do my research in that university, I wouldn't have been able to tackle those ideas. Mm. Would have been able to tackle that ideas. I would have gone and swarmed by I saw it left, right, center, everybody, Christian, non Christian, Muslim, everybody following for those ideas. And their lives were gone by those ideas. But I was able to stand only because I used that interim period to ground myself with the ideas of God. Mm. Like I keep telling you, the kind of stuff, what they taught us and we learned and I wrote papers on and all stuff what is happening in US now, which is called Jacques Lacan's theory of deconstruction. Hmm. Deconstruction means you have to break it down. That's what they're trying to do with US. US was constructed on an ideology of Judaism and Christianity. Mm. They are deconstructing it. We will deconstruct this entire society and rebuild it without God. That's what they're doing. The last bastion left. Everything else they have succeeded. Europe is gone. All the nations are gone. The only thing left is US. And they are trying. And also the fact that all the universities for, uh, for initially... They were all seminaries. seminaries always right? seminaries. In, in, including, including Harvard, Harvard Oxford, Oxford came. Always seminaries. Princeton, always seminaries. To Jonathan train. Edwards was yeah. the dean of, uh, of uh, Princeton, 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 yeah. Princeton University. Yes. Okay, so that's uh, that. And question number six, Pastor? We'll go to... Uh, uh, no, no, there is one which I wanted to answer. Sixteen, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because we have to respect that question. Yeah. Dear Pastor James, over the years we have been hearing you and Pastor Vijay, we have noticed that both of you come so heavily on the pastors who give only 20 minutes tailor-made sermons rather than the sermons that you give for one and a half to two hours to the point they are all lost souls and not rightly dividing the word and nourishing their flocks. Uh, and to the point that you and your sister are, also, are almost only set apart for ministry and the rest of the world is lost, though it is not uh, you both meant, but because sounds like, a, like, like that to us. Yeah. What is wrong with a sermon of only 30 to 45 minutes which could make a point and convicts the hearer than a two-hours message at the end of which you find your hearer either dozing or confused and at a loss to sum up what he has heard. Actually, what is wrong with a, sum, with a short sermon? If that can make sense and it is what the pastor heard from God to deliver, after all which God, there is no partiality. If he speaks to Pastor James and Pastor Vijay, he speaks to the other, preach, the other poor village pastor too who does not know how to speak English at all. No offense meant, please. We love you all. At the, at the same, notwithstanding the length of the message. Okay. <coughs> this is something which we constantly hear, okay, constantly hear, but uh, let me tell you about a church which is open. There are two kinds of churches, open churches, people have the freedom to worship, come, not come, anything, and there are other churches which we call underground churches, so there are two kinds of churches. So in open churches, this question arises in open churches. There are three kinds of primarily people who come to churches. One is a set of people who come by compulsion. These are children. (laughs) They have no choice. They come by compulsion. Then there is a second group for other reasons. It's a habit. You go to church on a Sunday. It's what you always did, so you always do. Then there is a smaller group which is called disciples. 
the kingdom of God is for disciples. It's not connected with the other two. The great commission is to make disciples. Okay? Great commission is about disciples. For the disciples, the word of God is life. The word of God is life. It is, it's got nothing to do with the length of the sermon, the duration of the sermon, nature of the sermon. It has got to do with life. So if he feels he is not fed, he will leave. Whether it is 20 minutes or 2 hours. Because for him the word is life. Okay? Understand. Then let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16. Please read from there. 3.16. All scripture. It's not some scripture. Few scriptures. All scripture is inspired by God. Profitable for teaching. For reproof. For correction. For training in righteousness. So that the man of God. Now this is not talking about the servant of God. The man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. Now we are talking about. Genesis 1. To Revelation 22-21. Can you cover all scripture. With 20 minutes on a Sunday. For a person who has come to Christ. We are talking about educating him. In the kingdom of God. Where he is going to spend his eternity. Where his entire life is changed. Where he actually thinks, eats, drinks, thinks God. See, the, 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 the trap in that question is about a village pastor hearing from God and gives. The question is that that is an assumption. You have to look from the first time when somebody has preached. And Moses is the first one to get the word of God and preach. He preached the entire law to the people. And they stood there and listened and said, we will obey. Ezra and all stand there with the remnant from morning till evening. They read the Bible and they cried and they wept. With Jesus, people walked for three days listening to the word of God. The early church gathered seven times a week. Today we meet once. 20 minutes. Cottage meeting. Nobody goes to those meetings. Nobody goes to these meetings. So the whole question is, how do you look at the word of God? How do you look at your spiritual life? Which is real for you? Why is it that somebody does not say, because it depends upon what is important for you, the world or the kingdom of God. It's simply as a question of, that's why Jesus, if you look into the scripture, Jesus really only taught the disciples. And they are the ones who gave us the the Bible. Mm. He hardly ever taught the the crowds. Mm. Like I said, there are crowds in the church. But there are only few disciples. And the teaching is for the disciples. And if you notice, the disciples never sleep, whether it is a Sunday meeting or a pastor's conference. Have you noticed there are, there are fellows who come to eat? There are disciples who come to learn from morning till evening. They don't move. The young pastors from Surya Pedro, they don't move. And you have to hear their testimony. He said, after we started coming, all our churches started changing. Because they changed. So you have to look at it that way. And let's go further down. Can I go to chapter 4? Is that the last verse? Yeah, yeah 4 verses 1 to 3. I charge you, okay? Mm. Now, Apostle Paul, in his final letter, is telling his young disciple, Timothy, who will become the bishop of Ephesus. I charge you therefore before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Think about it. Can you convince anybody today? Can you rebuke anybody? Will they stay? A disciple will. Jesus could look at Peter in the eye and says, get behind me, Satan, and he will still follow him. Because he said, he said, disciple. Mm. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A time will come. He says, before that comes, see that your congregation is established in the word of God. Then all these crackpot preachers come, they will Laugh at them. You must be kidding me. I'm established in my faith. The word of God is how I think. Everything depends upon how you look at life. How do you look at life? If you look, the world is important. Then you have no issues of sending your child for eight hours and tuition in the morning and tuition in the evening. Because that, that's why I ask in missions. I said, uh, your child is weak in math. Do you get them tuition? They said, yes, sir. We do get. Your child is weak in physics. Do you get tuition in physics? Yes, we do. He said, have you ever given tuitions for your child in the Bible? And they laughed. I said, you see, because you don't consider it important. You don't consider it important. You don't think Bible is life. You don't think it is so important in your life. You think math is important. You think physics is important. You think chemistry is important. But you really don't think Bible is important because you look and think, this life is what is important. I have to prepare my child to live for 50 years. So what has happened to the world now? 60 days, everybody is locked in, right? What has happened to physics, chemistry, math, biology? 140, 200 million have lost their jobs. 140 million is today's evening's news. That is newspaper. Yet if they know their word and they walk with God, we saw in the Hindi service, he said, I will take care of you. I will take care of you. The greatest investment a servant of God or a parent can give to their child or to their congregation is a living faith where they walk with God. And it only comes from the teaching of the word of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Because this is an important because so many people ask, you know, 20, verse 20 and 21. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Hmm. You know what he's talking about? I taught you... Actually, what he is talking about the pattern of the old church, the first Jerusalem church. I taught you publicly in the mornings and I taught you house to house in the evening. That's exactly how I lived my church in those years in that country. Morning I had to teach in the college. Every evening I taught. And Sunday as I took three services, four services, five services, six services. It didn't matter because people were hungry. House to house. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we taught. Now go to 26 and 27. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Let me tell you, I can look in the eye of anybody who has been in GTC and who listens. You know what? I am not guilty of anybody's blood. Everything that I have known and I know you need it, I have taught you in 12 years. You may be bored. You may have slept. My hands are clear before God. 
I will be responsible only for my mistakes, not in that I didn't teach you. This is how a servant of God takes his duty. He says, you know what, three years is over. I had only three years. I knew I had only three years. In these three years, he said, morning and evening, everything that I learned from Christ Jesus, Church of Ephesus, I've given it to you. My hands are clear. Now, if you don't do it, it's upon you. It's not. You know what he's talking about, the blood? Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 33. He's actually going back to an Old Testament thing which God said. You have to understand what it means, the kingdom of God. 33. Verses 1 to 7. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring a sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from the territory and make him their watchman. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, and whoever hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning. If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Mm. You get it? He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes away any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. You know who is he talking to? He's talking to pastors. pastors. Yes. So it doesn't matter whether you're a village pastor or a city pastor. It's got nothing to do with English or uh, Telugu. Mm. You think there are not Telugu preachers who preach? You yeah. know, for f- for nine, 19, almost 2,000 years of church history, Sunday was from morning till evening. Every church in the world, except the Catholic Mass, leave them alone. Every other real church, Sunday service meant the family went together. There was not even a concept called Sunday school. The teaching was for the father, the mother and the children, the same thing, from morning till evening. Even today, Hyderabad, Hebron churches and all, it's a full day and they don't even get chairs to sit. They sit on the floor and they learn. They learn. And they are fantastic Telugu village preachers. There are plenty of them. They teach and they teach. You see, they know the congregation is small. They hear from God. They learn the word. You don't have to go to your Bible college for any of those things. He will teach you. John and Peter and were very literate people. Semi-learned people. But they heard. They learned. And they understood. We think education has got something to do with it. It's got nothing to do with it. It's got, it's got to do with passion for God and passion for the souls of people. Because you are dealing with people. That's what he's talking about if you go back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. 20. He's warning, also from among yourself men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch, remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears talking about it. Now, who is he warning? He's warning the elders. I expect you to do the same thing. Continue teaching. Continue pray with tears. Continue interceding. You know what? Souls will be lost otherwise. Why are souls lost? Why are churches powerless? Why is the entire confusion? You know what? Because the word was taken out. The word was taken out. The word was taken out. The word was taken out of the church. They are not being taught. And people do not even have the patience to listen because these are all disciplines. Of course the fellow who is compelled to come will sleep. But you are not preaching at them. 
you are not preaching at them. The one for who religion is a habit will sleep, but you are not preaching. You cannot stop them from coming because the doors are open. You tell me in the underground churches they sleep. Oh boy, they don't sleep. They are risking their life even to gather. You think they sleep? They don't sleep. They don't sleep. So it all depends upon how you look at life. Because you put a value on secular education and took the word out, what has happened now? What has happened now? COVID-19. Is anybody talking the word of God? Science has become truth. So churches have been shut down. Even if you want to open, they won't let you. Because this is science. Science has become truth. If the government allows, I will walk without a, without a mask. I know I will not die. I am not afraid of the virus. Because he has told me you will not die. Before your time. But will they allow you? No. Science has been made God. Do you think if this same virus... 50 years, 60 years, 70 years ago, they could have locked America down like this. No. People would have gone to church and nobody would have stopped them. What did we do? What did we do? There's no prayer. There's no word. There is no life. And people don't realize what is happening. It's a real power struggle for the minds of people. What is happening is it's a battle in the realms. Third realm and second realm. It's a question. What is the third realm? Say, third realm is the kingdom of God. The spiritual realms. Like, can you see your soul? No, it's a realm. But you know you have a soul. Can you see your spirit? You cannot see it. But it is there. In the same way, there are two realms which you cannot see. The kingdom of God at the highest. The kingdom of the devil. And there's a battle going for the minds of people. It's a power struggle. And it's real power. When Moses went to Pharaoh, there was a struggle, very visible. First three miracles did it, they duplicated with the witchcraft power. Do you think anything has changed? Think about it. He put his rod, it became snake. They also, the Pharaoh wasn't impressed. He didn't bother. He said, can you do it? They said, yeah, we can do it. He turned the water of Nile into blood. They also turned water into blood. They, he called frogs out. They also called. Only thing that they could not send it back. Then the division began. The only difference is that when most Aaron's rod became snake and their rods became snake, Aaron's rod ate up the other snakes. The joke DP makes is that Aaron went with a lean rod and went back with a fat one because he had eaten the other one. The question is, do you think your congregation has enough of the word of God to devour every other ideology? Do they have? Think about it. Do you think any average Christian today walking on the streets really has the word of God where they are able to look at everything and say that is false and this is true? They don't have it. But they have no word. They don't have no word. Can Aaron's rod swallow the other rods is the question. Because the magicians are many. There are so many. Humanism, feminism, socialism, communism, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, Jainism. Everything is saying, you know, and everything is claiming this is a solution to mankind's problems. And then there is Christ. There is Christ. The question is, can you stand? So it's not a quick difference whether you are in a village or whether you are in a city. The God-given responsibility to that pastor and 
typically speaking, Jerusalem was a little village. Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Jericho or were all villages 2000 years ago. They were in great cities or anything. And the people all who came there came from the villages. But you know what history actually says? When they got saved on the day of Pentecost, Jews who had come from all over the world, they did not go back. Mm. The 3000 who got saved were not from Jerusalem. They did not go back. Mm. They stayed back for the word. the word. That is why the believers in Jerusalem who got saved opened up their homes for them to stay. That's how the church became a family and fed them. Stay back. Why are they staying back? Just for the teaching. Think about it. Who will stay back for teaching today? Who will stay back? Think about how the church began and how the church is ending. 3,000 You think they were all from Jerusalem? No. They stayed back. They didn't want to go back. They wanted the apostles' teaching. And that is how we have to look at it. Look at it. What does the word of God mean to you? What is the word of God? It's, it's my response. It is not a judgment on the word. It's a judgment on me. If I'm not interested in the word of God, then, and I'm not able to pass the passion. I can only pass the passion on to the disciples. Did you see the disciples were never tired of walking with Jesus? They were never tired. The crowds were. What were the crowds after? He gave it to them. You want healing? Take it. You want deliverance? Take it. You want food? Eat and go. But when it came to disciples, he said, the only way you will become a disciple that you forsake everything and follow me. And what are they following him for primarily? What did they get? He asked me this question. Let me ask you this question. The first third, let's leave his death before that. Three and a half years of walking with Jesus, what did they receive? Teaching. That's all. And what is his response at the end of it? John 15, 3, you're clean. Clean because of the word. Mm-hmm. So you're clean. Because of the teaching. You walked with me day and night and I taught you. And because you received my teaching, you are clean. There's no world in you. You are clean. You are ready. Nobody would ever believe me I am a successful preacher. I am not talking about me, I am talking about Jesus. Nobody would, you said, what kind of investment is in this fisherman? He said, I am investing in the fishermen. I am promising you, they will turn the world upside down. You know why? Because they have received my teaching. They walked with me and I have taught them everything. Listen to what Jesus said. Forget Paul. John chapter 15. Boy, Jesus is talking. John chapter 15. Verse 15. 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Why? All things. For? All things that I heard from the Father I have given, I have made them into. Think about it, what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Everything that I heard from the Father, not what he knew in eternity, but everything when he walked on earth, the Father, he heard from the Father, I have made it known to you. Do you think you can do it within a 20 minute sermon? On a Sunday? Now listen to how, if I'm right, how Paul ends. Sorry, John ends. Verse 25 of 21. 24 and 25. John 21. John. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. It's a hyperbole. Amen. Okay? But what he's talking about? He says, 
Do you remember how much he taught us? He's talking about that. And let me go to further. What he taught. Go beyond. John chapter 16. And verse 12. What we read was from 15, 16, 12. What does he say? Still I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Not and verse 13? Few things, not anything. When the Holy Spirit comes, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So he says the teaching never ends. It never ends. But the teaching is only for the disciples, for who are interested. You ask, think about uh, in a classroom when you are a prof. You have 500 students. Five are interested. You stop teaching because 490 is not interested? Mm-hmm. I know. At the bell is, when the bell rings, no, I'm talking as a teacher. When the bell rings, you will ask, those five ask, sir, can we stay back? Do you stay back with them? You do. Of course. Mm-hmm. You tell all the others you can leave. And you stay back with them. And you continue teaching because they're interested in the subject. See, in, in Hindi, when I go to this place, place, I'll say, our problem kya ho gaya, humne isko kya bulaya, humne isko karyakram bulaya. We called it a program. Sunday program. Hindi, Hindi is very, it's say, isme karya hai, kram hai, lekin ye karyakram nahi hai. We made it into a program. Is your life a program? That's a question. Is your life a program? Or is it life? How do you see the word of God? That's why Jesus told, looked at them and said, I know what you're following me for. Just, just take it and leave. Mm-hmm. Let me stick to these people who have left everything and I can teach them. Mm-hmm. I can teach. That's why I love this. Nobody's bored. If you're bored, you have the autonomy. Switch it off. No issues. Pastors are listening. Pastors are listening. Pastors are listening. They're listening on the radio. They're listening on internet. They're listening on YouTube. Thousands of them are listening. Right? Yesterday I said maybe by June 1st, no, we'll go back to roll schedule. You know what the mails came and texts came? At least make it once a day. Don't stop. You see, desire has to be created first. Uh, Peter? Okay, Peter, Ajke Bakra. Tell me a food you like. Dosa. He likes dosa. Did you eat dosa in Nigeria? So, it was created. Hallelujah. It was created. You came to India. First time you ate it, did you like it? No. You didn't like it. But you again were given. You had no choice. You ate it. Second time you ate it. After that, you started liking dosa. A desire was created. Now you like dosa. You see, every desire is created. It is created. It's an acquired taste. Even the listening of the word is an acquired taste. First time you get bored. You get bored. Get bored. But if you teach people, come on, this is life. This is life. You know what? They will acquire a taste. And those who have sat there and never acquired the taste, you should let them go. Let them go. And you know when they go? When they finally get their own freedom. I'm talking about the young people. They get their freedom. They go to another town. and They stop going to church. But the, the fact of the fact is that even when they were here and they came physically in the church, they were still not in church. Mm, they were already there. Mm. They are already out. And the mind is already there. The mind is already out. So mm. we don't, we don't 
Stop feeding those who are interested because some people are uninterested. You need to understand. That's what I took you in the classroom. Because five students are interested, 490 is not interested. We don't stop teaching that five. He'll say, okay, let me focus on them. Focus on them. And like on the higher levels when we teach, we let them sleep also. You can sleep. The ones who are awake, you teach them and you go. Because they are awake and they are waiting. They'll follow down you in the corridor also, sir. You're finishing. The bell is rung, but we didn't understand that. Okay, stand here. Let me explain it to you. And that is Jesus. You could ask him anytime. You would teach. And the times you spent, don't you spend time talking, talking, talking. That's why you're all sleepy in the morning. I know you've been sitting and talking. That's how I began my faith life. We had a home in, not my, one of my friends had a home in Tivandrum. Parents were in Kuwait. So every vacation, 10 days on them, Christmas and all. I never went to my grandparents' house. We all, four or five of them, we gathered over there. And every day, every, nobody got bored. And you know, except for one person in that group, everybody is in ministry today. All four out of that five is in ministry. And you know where it started? In that house, sitting and discussing the word of God. And one of us is a prophet, Fuller. Okay. Everybody's in ministry. All full time. Four of them. You know why? Because we were hungry for the word of God. And you're sitting with good good news gospel. Hmm. <laughs> Not even a regular rival, good news. So... This is what I have to say. It's got nothing to do with the village pastor. There are plenty of village pastors who will sit their congregation down and teach them and teach them. And you go to their churches, you walk into the churches, you can preach. You look at the congregation and you know the pastor has done his job. Some churches you go, you know the pastor is a lazy fellow. He never searched on his own. He never learned on his own. Preaching in that church. That's why I have told you in my old phone, I used to have numbers where it was recorded as dangerous. And they were pastors' numbers because God told me you will never go to the church and preach again. I have withdrawn my spirit. Why are you going? They are, uh, those are tombs. They are not churches anymore. And he said, you, next time, they, so I block those numbers so that I don't have to be, tell a lie saying, I am busy, I cannot come. So don't go. Don't go to the churches. I have withdrawn myself. There's no word, no life there. There's a program children. Program children, and you need to realize the importance of word because he has magnified the word above all his name. And I will tell you, if you listen to some of the messages and the letters, not the messages, letters of D.L. Moody, full of grammar mistakes. Full of grammar mistakes. English was terrible. You know D.L. Moody, one of the greatest in American history. Do you know what his education background is? Class 5 pass. It's all. Fifth grade. In his generation, he was one of the mightiest men used by God. Mm. If I'm right, in his tent meetings. Do you know who he used to attend? President Lincoln. Class 5 pass. Village preacher. With no background. Called by God. You know why? Because when he heard a person preach. I don't know who that preacher he heard. The words, not the words, the challenge that struck him is that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully surrendered to God and he said, Lord, I will be that man. By the grace of God, I will be that man. By the grace of God, I will, I will be, be that, that man. man. And that's D.L. Moody. Class 5 pass. Now, do you have D.L. Moody Bible Institute <laughs> from which hundreds are graduating? Hallelujah. Uh-huh. And the founder? Class 5 pass. 
So this has got nothing to do with religious, because the Bible is very clear. He calls the foolish, the ignoble, the the poor to confound the wise. The problem is the church is full of lazy pastors. Lazy pastors. That's the problem. Lazy pastors. It's got nothing to do with language. Full of lazy. They are the ones Jesus calls hirelings. They are there for, for them. Pastorship is a job and not life. I don't even call it a call. It can be a call, but after that it has to be a life. And for Paul, after it was called, it became a life. So, it has to be a call. Pastor Vijay, yeah. I think no? we'll, we'll, we'll close it. We will close. See, I'm getting responses from around the world in the meantime. Okay? So, please understand this. Because I'm very, very bad. Otherwise, I wouldn't go on missions. I told you, I wouldn't go on missions. Why I love mission, the hardship of missions is like last, like as I close, let me tell you, my last trip. Okay, I'm not mentioning the time. Some, because then they will want to quarantine me. Because all that is over 60 days, 70 days, 80 days. I was free, everything. But let me tell you about in that nation when I went. It's a Muslim nation. And I go. It's their vacation time. I have three days. Three days meeting. I reached there after that terrible incident in the flight and then hours at the airport waiting for the pickup person to come. When I reached there and I thought the meeting was starting the next day. They said, no, it's starting today. And I said, when? He said, afternoon. In one hour it is starting. I said, okay, one hour. And I said, who, who are the speakers? They said, only you. I said, for all three days? They said, only you. For all three days? I said, okay. And when is the meet- meeting starting? 8.30. And is it finishing? 9.30 in the evening. Because everybody is sleeping in the church. And who are all the people? Garment workers. Garment factory workers. Three days. Nobody moved. The ones who are in sea and moving around were the pastors who organized it. The poor people, nobody moved. And I will tell you on the second night, I was tired. Like this morning till night. The half an hour break, 40 minute break and all. And, uh, no. At 9.30, when I stopped, they said, can you continue for one more hour? And I went till 10.30 in the night. 10.30, You think poor people don't understand? They're not hungry for the word? These are all what? You know, garment factories? Now we wear all those clothes, ready-made clothes, which comes from, these are simple people from another country who have come here, got saved, and they were willing to sit and study and listen and know, and they all understood. From from there I go to another place. And I told you that story also. I go for the Sunday service and I look at the Sunday service. And I say, what's wrong with the Sunday service? I and the pastor are only the two men. The whole church is women only. No men, only women. And I preached. And actually they are only used to 20 minutes. Because that's the way the pastor has brought them up. I don't preach for 20 minutes. I preached. Nobody moved. They were crying. Some of them had tears. Tears in their eyes and wiping and this thing and all this. When everything was over and they were usually taking pictures and all because visiting pastor came from another country. You know, they asked, I asked them, what's wrong? Why are they all there? No men. They said, I said, what do you all do? They said, we are all housemates. From another country, working in this country has housemates. So a church full of housemates. 
and no men because men are not allowed into this country. They are not given visas. We get visas because we are sponsored and we come as housemates. And we are allowed to attend only one Sunday. We get off only once in 52 days. So this Sunday is ours. So we are lucky we got to hear the word. Think about it. Housemates. It's only when I look at all these things, I understood why Jesus went to this Samaritan woman. He knows who's hungry. And our prayer is always, Lord, let the word be preached and put it, let it go to the people in the world who are hungry. And they are listening. Every day they are listening. Every day they are listening. In their hundreds, in their thousands, they are listening. And we will feed them. We will feed them. We are not tired. (laughs) And that's why I like this. If you are tired, switch off. (laughs) It's okay. I understand you are tired. You don't have the habit of listening. And every village pastor... If you're quarantined, if you hadn't fed your people, do you think the people, if you did not, you think about a village where the pastor gave a 20-minute sermon, never prepared, never sought before the Lord, never really equipped his people, truly, truly. That's why I said the trap in that is of hearing from God. If you hear from God, it will never be 20 minutes. Mm. Because nowhere in the Bible do I see any servant of God who heard and preached 20 minutes on a once a week. Nowhere. Nowhere, no servant of God from Moses onwards all the way, nobody ever would do that. Nobody would ever that. So the trap over there is a village pastor. Here's, I would say he hasn't heard. Because it will take a lifetime to equip the people for the kingdom of God. Mm. That's what Paul says, day and night with tears, publicly and in private. I have given you the whole gospel. My hands are free. I have nobody's blood on my hands. I have blown the trumpet. Wolves are coming. If you are eaten, I am not responsible. You didn't receive the teaching. Like Pastor Vijay could say to his student, if you fail, it's not because I didn't teach. You didn't learn. I have given you my best. It's up to you whether you want to learn and do your exams. You fail, don't blame me. You don't blame me. And that's why we said we gone out of our way from the beginning. We preached, we recorded, we did transcripts, we put it all free. There's not even a donate button on ours. Never have we solicited, asked, even everything was done freely. Because God said freely you received, freely you give. And that's that's my call. And that's my issue with pastors. The issue with pastors is that you are not pastors. Also, another one, just one other thing. Yeah. And, uh, in the, and it's it's about God. Yeah. And God is so huge, you cannot just explain to explain him his him and his ways in in, How in, can in twenty in, minutes. I mean, even if you have to yeah. teach a student mathematics, yeah. you have to teach him like hours yeah, and hours and hours. Together. To but these are all PR people. Mm. Now, one point you give them and tell them this is the point for the week. What are you thinking yes, about? God, God is in. When they step How out of the door itself, the, the kingdom of this world is hitting them on every level, and they. They have to learn how to walk with God in the midst of this darkness. The word of God is light. That's how we have to see it. We don't see it. Our loss. Hmm. But the word of God is. Yep. We shall pray, Pastor Vijay. Father God, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We come at this night into thy hands. We thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, today for all the three sessions we had, services we had, Father, we believe, Lord, you answered a lot of people. There are still questions left. We will leave it for next week. 
But my prayer is, Lord, everyone who hears, Lord, there will be a hunger and a thirst for thy kingdom. For the word of God is the word of righteousness. That's what your word says. This is the word of righteousness. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. And you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. And our prayer is, Lord, by the time the lockdown is over, there will be a lot of people who are hungry and thirsty for the word of God. And God will fill them. God will use them. You will open doors. You will open nations for people, Lord. They will bring their clans and their tribes and their cities to the Lord, we believe, Lord. You will do it through them. But it cannot be done without the word. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word is God. So even tonight, we just want to lift up your word, Lord. I speak your healing into the bodies of people who are listening. Though they are ill, Lord, I know so many are ill. And they are still tuned in and listening, Father. And I speak, Father, healing into their bodies. I Speak your word. Your word in Psalm 107 and verse 20 says, I sent forth my word and healed you of your infirmities. Mm. And I pray, Father, even as I speak, they will receive it by healing, by faith. And the Spirit of God, I pray, you would touch them and heal them of their infirmities. And Father, each one will pick up their mat and they will walk and they will be established each day in their in your word, Lord. And all those who are struggling with weaknesses, Father, I pray you will give them the strength to trust you one day at a time. They experience your victory in their lives. They will transfer, exchange their life for your life. And they will see Christ never loses. Christ is never defeated. It's we who are defeated. But if we transfer our life into his hands and ask him to live through us, He is never defeated and will never be defeated. For he is a man of war. From age to age, he fights this battle and he wins this battle for us and through us. That's my prayer, Lord. More and more surrender as each day passes by, Lord. Protect your people, cover your people, keep your people, Lord. And let them be always be passionate for you. Like Jeremiah, like fire shut up in their bones, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.